Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today is the producer of Just Ask the Question, my oldest son, Zachary, and Zachary and I just got back from uh, Ukraine. So we're going to take a few, we'll take a few seconds for the wonderful commercials that sell the wonderful programming. And when we come back, we'll talk all about Ukraine and the war there. Stay with us. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With us today is the producer of Just Ask the Question and my oldest son, Zachary. Zach, I get, you know, I, I've traveled to a lot of conflict zones and um, the best I ever felt traveling to a conflict zone was with you. I got to tell you that. And thank God you didn't Appreciate bring that. the cats with you. But I guess the... <laughs> I guess the que- the question I always like to ask people when they come back from a conflict zone is what what surprised you? Um you know I thought about that a lot going there because I had a lot of um you know this is like a turns out like a, an itch I didn't really know I needed to scratch and um I had always kind of thought about this sort of thing kind of like just in terms of like 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 a movie or like abstractly and I think the biggest surprise for me was having some of the things that I thought it would be like how similar it was in certain regards to, you know, to certain things that I had seen on TV or read in books, but then also how vastly different it feels to actually be in that situation than it does to just be watching it, if that makes sense. So like the, the feeling of it, I was very surprised by and like how, I don't know. I just, I, I thought I, I, you mean. I it. it was so, it was just, you know, the intensity of it and just the kind of the visceral nature i don't know like it just you know like the fact that like from every second that we were there to the second that we left i felt you know uneasy and that we were kind of being watched and and you know all those things and especially when we got closer to the actual conflict and stuff i my i guess my biggest surprise was just like it was just it was so surreal you know it was like i expected i don't know what i expected but um you know, I just grew up watching all these movies, reading all these books about war, about reporters, about all these things. And so, like, I had this very kind of uh, robust idea in my head of what the conflict zone would look like. And then to actually be there and then to experience it was a whole nother thing. And, um, you know, and then to actually see the people and then see the suffering on their faces and like, and but, you know, also see the resilience. It was like, it was surreal because like, I hadn't seen so much humanity at once. And it was, 
is really beautiful it, it, at the same time that it was also really sad and and um you know i, I don't know does that make sense yeah so no, it I, does i, I mean about there, was, to it. <laughs> there was one moment at well there's a couple of things that come back in my mind um the first was i and i saw you you were in tears as i was um in that new hope mission talking oh, to that, when i was talking to that three-year-old kid and yeah. um i was playing and he couldn't smile and i started playing uh peekaboo with him and he yeah. started you know like like i did with you guys when you were little and so he, he started smiling and then he asked his mother when the airplanes were going to fly over and drop bombs and that one that kind of really yeah. hit me yeah yeah and, exactly and to see that that's what I, and to see someone so young and just to, to see someone go through that, it, it was just, you know, coming from the life that, um, you know, that I live here, it, it just, it was, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, that's an eye-opener, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. then the other one was just the first, <laughs> the first few hours in, in Ukraine when we crossed over the border, and you just put up a, uh, you know, you shot up a drone, to shoot yeah. some video and we had a little nosy narc who came oh. by and was causing us trouble and then we got pulled over by the cops yep and then then um, well, the military police i guess what they were what, i don't know what they, i think one whatever. of them was a volunteer i know one of them was a volunteer yeah with yeah. like a yeah like a long vepper you know cranian long rifle and then the other guys they're giant you know ak-74s yeah. and then uh they took us through the through this horrible little road and out yeah. in the middle of nowhere i mean literally out in the middle of no fucking where yeah. i thought dude this is not gonna go well i felt nervous at that point i'll tell you that i, I don't know about you but i did oh, i absolutely did and, and then uh, the guy that was driving us rob when he stopped and he flashed his lights and they got out and they were unarmed they didn't have guns when they got out and i thought okay maybe we'll live through this we should be yeah here. yeah but there was a good like good i don't know i mean it felt like hours but it was probably like 30 minutes or something where well we didn't know who the hell they were really and they didn't really know who we were and i think underlying all that was the fact that we had just been told that there's a ton of like russian you know spies and russian saboteurs and different mercenaries in the area and that you know so we weren't really sure who the hell they weren't sure who we were yeah, yeah they know who we were i mean i get we, we i like when they when they got my book though then they knew <laughs> yeah that's my point yeah once it once we got into the, the they brought us back to the station or whatever the hell that was you know the, like the little the thing in the middle of the world war ii ask you know like that uh that tiny little town with the sandbags all around it and everything it was, yeah yeah once we got in there it seemed to change a little bit after yeah they saw your book and saw your pictures and <laughs> They figured out I wasn't a Russian spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they wanted me to do the live shot I was doing for yeah. MSNBC that night. They wanted me to do it from that uh, police station. <laughs> well, they ended up having us, yeah, like half the town turned out. And we had to like become like an event. Like, oh, wait, did you guys meet the American reporter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, they kept bringing people in, including that one old yeah. drunk guy who stole yeah. my book and wa walked around and showed it to everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so I got incredibly tense and they ended up like, you know, we were laughing and shaking their hands, but yeah, but it went from tense to uh, enjoyable or at least yeah. tolerable. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember yeah. I went from being worried about getting shot, being uh, worried about getting to Lviv to do my live shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, yeah. Hey fellas, I love it, but you know, I got to go. That's... Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was another, I, I tell you, that was, um, you know, the every hour and a half, just the air raid sirens. Yeah. 
for those four or five days we were there in, in the Lviv and not being able to get a decent night's sleep and blocking the door because, you know, we didn't know who was following us or where. And, yeah. um, but I, I want you to take me back if you can, cause you, you were, you know, we were, we had been shooting in this, in the town square and I had just shot a, uh, a stand up with the guy who was selling coffee during an air raid. And everyone had wandered off into the air raid shelter, which was underneath the Pravda beer theater, right. which had a big red bullseye on, yep. on the, yep. and, uh, and, and media center. Yeah. And I was reticent, very cautious about going into the media center to, to be honest, you know, we had already, by that time I'd spoken to Trey uh, Yinks, a friend of mine, and you yeah. and I had spoken to him and we'd spoken to some other producers and fixers on the ground. They were warning us, you know, don't wear your press passes yeah. unless yeah. they request them of you because there are people targeting you. So yeah. this said media center and it was a comfort, uh, you know, a, a, a place where they could all get together. Just and to I felt a little you know, I didn't like that because, uh, yeah. and then there was the, what I saw was this guy outside taking, pretending to take pictures of the building, but whenever anybody walked out and actually, I think the guy is in a video. There are two of them. I didn't see the other guy who was up against the door who was yeah. shooting over his yeah. shoulder. Yeah. I, I saw that in the video, but when we came out, I flipped the guy off. I, I, you know, cause you know, I didn't yeah. put it right in front of my face says, come on guys, let's go. But from there, you spotted something. What did you spot? So, you, yeah, we came out of the media center um, and you you told us that. And then we were talking to we turned and we were talking to our, uh, you know, fixer. one of our interpreters and our fixer and, uh, you know, talking about something. And, I, it, you know, we were walking down the street and I I noticed after like, you know, literally after you pointed out that that guy was taking our photo and then <laughs> flipped him off. Um that two guys came out from right not too far away from where we were getting that coffee and started walk beeline and over toward us. And I, so we started walking, uh, you know, I let you know, or whatever, and we started walking a little bit quicker. And then we turned that corner and, you know, part of me thought like, Oh, maybe I'm being paranoid, but we turned that corner and then they turned well, we, the corner as well. And then we went into that store. Yeah. We ducked and, into the store to see if they were going to follow us. Yeah. So yeah. we ducked in the store and we bought some stuff and tried to convince uh, one of our, pictures that it, it wasn't um counterintelligence and then the ukrainians yeah <laughs> <laughs> so then we bought so then we bought uh you know some really cool some actually some really great uh, uh souvenirs for there and after like yeah 15 minutes or so we come out we turn right and those same two dudes are like half a block away just waiting there and then we so we go down the blocks more we turn again i had to stop to tie my shoe and i saw them like closing the gap and i remember i got up and i was like hey we need to move and you had already seen them and so we were moving real quick and we turned down that final block and went down. It was like a movie. I mean, we, we got down to the thing and I, you know, I hate to say that because it's, but it just, it, that's, you know, my greatest reference point, just because it felt so much so dramatic like that. And, you know, cause we were running down for this car and, you know, our driver was waiting for us. And thankfully he was kind of pulled off to the side and we were able to get in and, you know, and as those guys were still coming down the street, chasing after us, you know, and then we, I mean, maybe a quarter of a block, we, they were, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, 50 meters away from us. And when we got in the car and closed the doors and pulled off and then they, you know, like were at that point, basically jogging or running. And then they had gotten to the, you know, the crosswalk where, and we had pulled off 
you know, and I, I looked out the back of our window and I could see them both get to the crosswalk and, you know, turn and look and try to see where we were. And I was like, Jesus, man, it was just so, again, the surreal, it was so surreal just because. Yeah, it was surreal to me. I, I mean, I remember I wrote it in a column. I said, I didn't know if they wanted to kill me. Or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but didn't at me. Or yeah, take yeah. Me to a mixer, but either way, yeah. I didn't want to stick around. And yeah, I didn't want to find out. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they just wanted to talk, but it was. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't, didn't didn't feel comfortable. Didn't feel like that, especially after the things that we had heard, and you know, and, and what had happened the day lost before. Lives and, yeah, and what had happened the day before, we had run into some obviously fake, uh, real fake media, real fake news, and that's yeah, I was going to say. I'm trying to, you know, the way to put it. Yeah, they were real fake news, and the guys. Uh, those guys were interesting to me because that was um, we, we ran into him at a um, well, for everyone who's listening, we were the crew had gone out to eat at a restaurant. Yeah. And we spotted two guys that had press passes on and I began watching them and um, they looked like they've been painted on. Or, you know, not yeah, painted they looked like homemade press press. Passes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I went up and asked them where they were from and they said San Antonio and you know, that's where you were born. I had worked there for five yeah, years. Oh. I know the area pretty well. I was expecting. So, so where'd you live in San Antonio? And they go, oh, a neighborhood. And I go, hmm, all right. Who do you work for? And they get made up a company that didn't exist. And their press passes didn't yeah. exist. And then they said they were also in college. And then, so they, you know, uh, uh, and then they let their, they let their Russian accent slip a couple of times. And uh -huh. our, uh, they followed us to the uh, train station when we were interviewing refugees and our, one of our uh, fixers spotted them again yeah. and she talked to them and found out that the one who the red haired one, the ginger was, had parents from, uh, from Russia. So we kind of figured, you know, what was going on there. And now, and then before we take a quick break to pay the bills, uh, when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, we had mentioned it, but some of what we saw from the refugees and what impressed you the most. Oh my God. And yeah. then, um, and then we'll go through that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you, yeah, you, we're talking to you and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, Independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, it's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karaman. Today, we're talking about a trip to the Ukraine. No, just to Ukraine, not to the Ukraine, to the Ukrainian war. Um, and, and with me is, is my son, Zach, who was with us, part of the crew in Ukraine, and is also the producer of this podcast. So we thought we would talk, a, kind of debrief everybody on what we saw while we were there. And I guess the, the first thing uh, we talked about was being tracked by you know uh russians while we were there and the fact that how surreal it felt i mean like i said there were you know i we bolted the door at night we had an escape route out of the uh, hotel if we needed it um and there were 
concerns because while we were there, of course, um, I ran into Trey Yanks, a friend of mine who used to cover the White House and is now Fox's uh, chief uh, uh, foreign correspondent. And he lost a good buddy, Pierre, and, uh, uh, and then Benjamin Hall was seriously injured um, in the war. And then, of course, Time and other, and then a Ukrainian reporter have been kidnapped or killed. It's been a very difficult situation to be for reporters. But as difficult as it has been for us, we choose to be there. The people who didn't choose to be there were the refugees and who have fled Mariupol and eastern Ukraine. And we tried to talk to as many of them as we could. And I mean, I was surprised, I don't know about you, but just when the trains would unload, just the people just streaming off of it. And they were mostly uh, women and children. I, I did notice that. Oh, yeah. uh, I any of that? surprise you what, what you saw um it didn't necessarily surprise me uh again it's just like the it was like the, the you know like actually witnessing it firsthand is what was wild because it did ha it does have this that train station too and it has a very world war ii feel to it and it, you know it's yes still got this you know obviously all the a lot of the architecture is still you know of that era or you know from before that time and it's just like the hordes and hordes of people in 2022 that are fleeing a, a conflict with a major, you know, like European power. It, it was just, it was just, it was, it was really, really moving and surreal to see. And the fact that we are still at this time, you know, doing this to each other as, as human beings is just, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's really intense. Um, yeah. You know, what, what really yeah. surprised me too was just, well, a lot of those people look like they've aged quite a bit. Yeah, they did. But, I mean, they did. Yeah. But when you talk to them, they were still so damn friendly and so nice. I, so I, nice. Yeah. It, you know, they were, I was talking about that uh, with someone earlier, was that I was so surprised and really, I was very inspired by the Ukrainian people. And not only did I, you know, I mean, you know, that's kind of, um, I guess easy to say now, but just being there, I was, I mean, or genuinely was, I had a lot of respect for these people and I don't just casually, that that's not something that comes natural to me. I mean, I, I think I'm a little bit more, um, you know, cynical than that, but these people were like, so, so courageous and so resilient and so just everything that you admire in, in humanity and its spirit and everything that I uh, aspire to as a human being and everything that I believe in, it was, it was, it was there, it was personified in these people. And it was like, and it was very moving. And it was very, it was, I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was just, it, while it was sad, it was, you know, ironically, it was, ironically, it was uplifting. It was, it was, it was. Well, um, I love the posters too that were. Yeah, you know, like it was that, it was that resilience of spirit and that like, and the fact that they all had a sense of humor in it too. And like, and the fact that a lot of them overcame some of their petty, like, I won't call it petty, but they themselves called it petty political um, issues, you know, from the past and they were all kind of able to um, cobble together and, and, you know, and come together for this resistance type of thing is, it's very inspiring, you know, and obviously, you know, there are nuances in there, but yeah, it was incredible. To, and, to and remember we were in, I, I remember being in traffic. Now here we are in Lviv and there's a million people normally in that town. It was like twice, it's swollen two or three times. Twice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like almost yeah. 2 million. Yeah. It's like walking in Manhattan. I mean, that sidewalks. Were, yeah. yeah. Sidewalks are crowded. Uh, couldn't buy any liquor. That was 
but we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, <laughs> couldn't buy the liquor. But, you know, and traffic was horrible. And I mean, I, we were in traffic a couple of times in situations where had it been in the United States, it would have prompted road rage. But yeah. there, people were just kind and nice to one another. And I, I was surprised by that, keeping their cool in the, in the face of, you know, here you have air raids, bombs yeah. dropping on you. Yes. You're being invaded by Russia and Putin. And, you know, you're, you're selling coffee in the square. You're driving about and you're trying to go, you know, we saw parents trying to take kids to school. Yeah. I mean, trying to just lead a normal life while this goes on. I was just really surprised. And, and yeah. as yeah. you said, I was inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so what, <laughs> what was the strangest thing you remember from the trip? Oh, uh, okay. Um, strangest thing. Uh, I don't know if it's strange. Damn, that's a good question. I got to think about that. What is the strangest thing? The first thing that comes into my mind, it wasn't really strange, but it was, um, it was really good. It was, uh, when, when we did finally get a break, you were talking about alcohol earlier. They didn't, you know, everything was it's still banned, uh, alcohol, but a lot of the, the villages, the local villages, they, a lot of the, the villagers themselves, they make their own alcohol. And so we were able to get like some wine that was made, you it was know, good, wasn't it? It was, it was fantastic. And it, it was crazy because it was called, it was called young wine. And I, you know, apparently hadn't been aged very long and, and uh, whatever. At least else. 15 minutes. Come on. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> but it was so damn good. And it was strange because it came in like a Fanta bottle and yeah. like, you know, like that had still had like the, the, you know, like the, um, the wrapper on it and stuff and the, and, I, and uh you know we poured it we drank it and it was it was really it was really really good i don't know if maybe it was the fact that we were in you know the stress of the, the war zone and all that sort of thing but it was fan it was really good and that was i guess that was kind of strange and it was also at the same time really cool it never had wine that was like that young had been grown you know in a ukrainian village you know and so you know. <laughs> i tell you what got me was the open air market yeah, see, it was always I mean, it seemed like yeah, they, yeah. It seemed like I saw the same chicken at every stand. That was true. <laughs> Broken I've legs. Never seen bad. chickens like that. They yeah. were very, they're very gamey. And, yeah. and you were brave enough. I wasn't going to eat any of that damn. No, food. I know. I was a little surprised. Yeah, I thought you were like, but no. I mean, uh, yeah, I had some. Well, when the, I saw the flies on it, I was a little, you know, just a little reticent. To, I get it. I get it. And they were out in the, you know, and it was one thing. The open air market was one thing. It was the people out on the sidewalk with stuff, right. you know. It looked like, and I mean, there was still and dirt was on like, this stuff. Yeah, and it was like on the ground, and it was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like bacon and stuff, and that's not. Yeah, usually- I, I really, I, I have a rule, that's one important. solid rule of survival: never buy bacon off the ground. You know, yeah. other than that. But I will, I will say though, the cottage cheese I, I tasted it was some of the best cottage. I did cheese taste that; it was all right. But really? I didn't. Yeah. The meat was uh, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. no. But it also that also impressed me because here, you know, they're talking about supply chain problems and they, they didn't never, have yeah. any there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was the other thing that uh, our, uh, was interesting. When we were walking through that market, too. We were talking to our uh, fixer who was talking about how, yeah, that the supply chain uh, issues have been affecting them as a whole. But a lot of some of these towns like Lviv and some of the other ones where they have it, some local villages that aren't the, that aren't being interrupted as much. They still have, uh, you know, a lot of. Um, uh, food not that there, you know there's still obviously issues there but it was interesting to see that like there was still able to uh, you know um you know work around like the national logistical issues and you know work yeah and, and that but that was a little i mean i've been in a lot of open air markets but yeah you know that was uh that was an interesting interesting one 
And, and my yeah, second rule was dark corners. And like, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, there was there were a couple of those. It was like in, out of Indiana Jones. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Turn yeah. a corner and somebody's going to, you know, yank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> and then, of course, my second rule of survival in a conflict zone after don't eat bacon off the ground is mm. uh, only stay in a conflict zone as long as the bourbon holds out. So <laughs> <laughs> we brought some with us. And after a couple of nights of of uh, hard work, it was worth it, particularly with, I, I tell you what was um, probably the, the most uh, sobering realization was, you know, just our, our uh, driver who took us yeah. to Lviv and you get to see the Ukrainian countryside. And that was when I just realized that these people, you, you know, you can't defeat them. You no. can only kill them. Yeah. All you it. can do yeah. is, and he can't kill all of them. No. So I don't think there's any way Putin, he can't, all he can do is level the country. He can't conquer it. He can't occupy it. Yeah. And so that doesn't bode well. It leaves you with either a long stalemate of war or a frustrated Putin who decides to use weapons of mass destruction, which has everybody on edge and, or, or it ends, you know, I guess a little more quickly, but I don't know how that goes down unless Putin sacrifices you know, a couple of his top aides and blames them for it, but he still has to live with this for the rest of his life. And it's yeah. the, you know, those people that have died. Yeah. And, and you just see that, you know, I, I, you could see that in the faces of these people, they're pissed off. Like oh, remember the one woman that yeah. said, you know, she said, these are, these were our friends and our neighbors. We're supposed uh, to, yeah, it wasn't, they weren't supposed to do this to us. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, how'd you react to that? What'd you think when you heard that? I mean, like everything, it was, it was really sad to hear, but it was also, you know, just imagining being in, I don't know. I was like trying to think of the closest, you know, um, you know, relevant thing that I could think of that would like, you know, but I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine like as an American, I don't, you know, like I couldn't imagine living with that reality with the fact that you will live next to a country that could do that to you. And, um, I don't know. It, it was, yeah, it's just a lot to take in, if that makes sense. You know, I just, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, but what, uh, and I got it, you know, I'll go back to the moment where we were with that three-year-old boy. What, what brought you to tears? You know what it was? It was the fact that this little boy, you know, little kid, he was three years old and he, he already had this, this fear that like this, this he knew something that I feel like I didn't know until I was this age and some people maybe never know unless they are in a place where their life is directly threatened like that that like I don't know I, I don't know I, I just I felt that he, he would have to live with that for his whole life and that made me really sad he was three and because of this now like even when he's 50 60 70 80 90 you know like this will always be a part of this is the very beginning he's so you know at that age you're so impressionable and i just i felt like what a terrible thing for this poor kid to have to start off his life to have you know because he was so happy and so innocent he was such a kid and then all of a sudden it just struck him in mid-conversation you know mid-peekaboo that oh my god i hope that the airplanes don't come right now and bomb me and you know and, and kill you know kill me and it's like just to see that uh you know, was very humbling and like, uh, and tragic and, 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 uh, opening and, you know, like all the, 
all the things that you think it would be, but like feeling it, you know, was just incredibly overwhelming. And yeah. Yeah. And he reminded me of uh, my grandson, your nephew. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It looks so much like him. I was, yeah. Yeah. I, that, and just to see, you see a little cherubic smile on their face and you, you know, they have hope and then it's taken away in a moment by a, a thought or a remembrance yeah. then that terrified him. And that, that, you know, and it, the other little kid that we were downstairs and I was playing the guitar and I taught him yeah. guitar. Yeah. yeah a little, just a curious, a yeah. Just a curious, you know, smiling little kid. And, but you could see in their eyes how, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, there are, I, I mean, that 10,000 yard stare they talk about, he had seen things that many people in this country will never see. And the and poor kid was yeah. 10 years old. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and not like that's like a, you know, not, I don't, I don't mean it in any sort of way, like to put them on some sort of like moral pedestal either. That's not, I just mean that right. like it's wild to see. It's just, it's hard to, um, yeah, I think it's still hard. I'm still coming to terms with it and still, you know, still. Um, What's the know. hardest thing to come to terms with for you? Um, you know what it is? I think it makes me, um, I like to think of myself as pretty, you know, like self-aware and, and you know, and, and, and you know, um, acknowledge, you know, like, uh, you know, and aware of my surroundings and stuff. And I just, it, it made me realize how ignorant I was of, mm -hmm um just things you know in the world like uh, I had always you know kept up with the news I've always been you know like very interested in this sort of thing and read tons and tons of things about it but I've never until I experienced it you know like it, it you know it didn't I'm still like I don't know how to explain it. like I'm still kind of um I feel like it's reshaping my worldview a little bit in certain ways and, and just not in like a, a drastic sense but in the sense that like I think I have a better understanding of certain things now than I did previously. I did, when I came back and this is every time I come back for a conflict zone, like when I came back from the Gulf war, I couldn't take my gas mask off for like two or three days. I was walking through Harrods in London, buying your mother gifts and you guys stuff. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't take off my, and when I got back from this trip, it was like, I felt like saying to people, what don't you get it? Don't you understand this? And people still don't get it or, or understand. I don't, I don't think they, I don't think like you said, unless you're there, you understand what it is you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, and, and this, and the they, biggest thing I took, took away from it, more. the biggest thing I took away from it was <clears throat> uh, you and I had to come back alive because if we didn't, your mother would have killed me. Yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know you told Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't worried about Putin. I was worried about your mother. <laughs> the Russian army's nothing. <laughs> Rats. Damn. <laughs> but but it, it was a, it was, and I was glad to go through it with someone that I, you know, I care so deeply about, but we're going to take a, another short break and we come back. I'd, I'd like to just have uh, your, your closing thoughts on what you think was um, what you learned from it. And what do you think? All Americans can learn from it. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. 
If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. Today we're with Zachary Caraman. We're talking about our recent trip to Ukraine. And I guess, Zach, I, um, what, as I asked before we went to the break, what do you, what was the overall lesson? What did you learn that you didn't know? And what do you think Americans should take away from this conflict that you saw while you were there? I saw, I think it's a number of things. I think number one, I think that as Americans, both sides, as consumers of media and people that are in the media, and um, I say that as mostly an outsider, but uh, from what I saw was that we need to do a better job at seeing these conflicts around the world, not just when they're in Ukraine, when they're in Syria, when when they're everywhere, and in seeing them as humans, and not just as this abstract, like kind of, you know, a photo on a page or like a, a crying video or something that we don't necessarily, I mean, I, I know that I have the benefit of having now the direct experience of being there. So therefore I, 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 I can feel it, but I just feel like we can do a better job. And I hope that we do a really good job with our documentary and with everything that we've done at portraying to the American people that, you know, that, these conflicts, all these things, this doesn't need to be uh, the norm. You know, I, I think that, as you said, something really smart was that social media isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. And it's just that we need to grow up as a society in, in our usage of it because we can build direct, you know, empathy with people all over the planet. We don't need they, these people that are thousands of miles away from us. You, we can we have the technology now to make it so that, you know, you can you can see exactly what they're feeling and what they're going through. And I think that's what I'm saying is that I think as Americans, we need to be more open to viewing these uh, tragedies around the world and these conflicts around the world more, more holy and more, as more, um, and more humanistically. And I think as the media, we can do a better job portraying it that way. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's, it's as, as Americans, we just need to have a more globally centric, you know, a global centric view of, our, of the world rather than just the America centric. That's one thing I see over there all the time. They're very aware of everything that's happening in our country. In every country I've ever traveled to, they know what's happening in America. But in America, most people don't know what the hell's happening in all these other countries. You know, you don't really know. Even me, like I, I had to write, read a whole book just, I mean, not even me, but you know, I, just me, I had to read a whole book on, on the history of Ukraine in particular because my, I, I thought I had a pretty good, you know, knowledge of European history. It turns out Eastern European history, I did not. And so I just, you know, I realized that's my own failing. And so I'm trying to do better. And I think if, you know, by extension, um, we can all, or, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, what I got out of it yes. being there was, I don't think, you know, I grew up in a time, you know, your mom and I, we didn't want to have kids till after the, we, we, we got lucky. You were born towards the end at the very end of the cold war i didn't want to raise kids in an era like i lived in where you were afraid that any moment someone could drop a bomb on you and end the world and for the last what 30 some odd years we've lived without that threat and i don't think we're quite aware of how real that threat is today 
and how yes precarious how precariously this world is balanced and that warfare is volatile and you can't predict it and, and that, you saw yeah. how close we were to poland one yeah. straight one straight bullet in a poland and we're talking about you know boots on the ground we're talking about an honest to god world war three if we don't already have that because you and i also saw all those volunteers and all the people from around the world that are pouring into Ukraine to help them. It is a world war by proxy at this point. Yep. Well, and you know, the proxy is on our end. It's certainly no, of course. Russian in there. No, I'm they're saying on our end. Yeah. No, they're, and, they're in it. Yeah, yeah. And that's to me frightening to, you know, I went to those duck and cover drills and I went through all that crap and yeah. I thought maybe we could take a breath, but then you look at it and we're right back there again. And Putin is holding the world hostage because he wants, you know, Mariupol and, uh, Ukraine to to kiss his buddy wants to reassemble the Soviet Union and it'll never happen. And I just hope and pray that uh you know wisdom prevails and empathy prevails. Yeah, I th I think sorry but exactly and it just made me realize another thing uh that I think to your earlier question that I think Americans in general should be aware of and it is the fact that yeah, the threat of nuclear war is actually absolutely very real. And it's not like this I think a lot of people my age or even uh, maybe maybe slightly older or younger, they, uh, it just doesn't seem real. Like that could actually happen. I mean, it just, you know, it feels, and well, just because we didn't, I don't think we grew up with, you know, we didn't grow up with the Soviet Union, the threat of that, like being drilled into us. It was, um, you know, we worried about a lot of other things. We worried about active shooters in schools and we worried about a lot of, you know, we had a, also a danger. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying you went, like we you went from duck and cover drills, drills to active shooter drills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm saying that like, yeah, some a certain something that Americans especially need to be aware of, especially millennials and uh, younger is that it's definitely very real. And just like we didn't think that like, you know, our democracy could go through what it went through in the last five, you know, six years. And no one, and a lot of people are like, oh, there's no way. I remember in 2015, they're like, oh, there's no way, no way Trump would actually run. There's no way any of this would actually happen. Uh, it's just kind of sim feels similar where people are like, oh, there's no way that would actually happen. There's no way he would, he would you know, like he would use the nuclear weapons. Yeah, I had a. a I think there's a way. I mean, I hope not. I don't want to be an alarmist, but. No, I don't. Feels, I just yeah. want to be a realist. I, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I had a young reporter come up to me in the White House and say, you know, Brian, I, I don't think we could beat Russia in, in, a, in a nuclear war. And I, I was like, pal, nobody wins a <laughs> nuclear war. It's called mutually assured destruction. You know, the bombs drop, there is, and the next war is fought with sticks and stones if there's anybody left who survives nuclear winter. You know, and that's, I, I think we've forgotten all of that. Um, yeah, as a, and yeah. collectively as a nation, yeah. or we yeah. didn't drill it into, you know, people under 50. And so, you know, it's something we're having to relearn as we face a madman who wants to, you know, for the sake of his own ego, wants to take over a country he doesn't rule. There's yeah, no other no, reason for it. None. No, he just wants the, yeah. Yeah. And well, I, I think that's the thing we should learn the most, but Hey, what do I know? Well, <laughs> look, this was fun. I could do this all day long, but uh, I, I want to remind everyone, you can see what we went through. Uh, we're going to put together a documentary. Uh, there is a new documentary out that you and I have just uh, put together with Wyatt yep. and it's called six feet apart. And you can get that on Amazon prime six feet apart. Yep. And it's about the early days of the uh, COVID crisis in this country. 
You can go to salon.com to see the articles that we've already written. And we've got a couple of surprise articles coming up and we won't say where yet. Oh, and you can also buy the book free the press wherever fine books are sold. And if you look at ABC 2020 this weekend, you can see the documentary about another book I wrote called uh, what, what's it called? Uh, 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 yeah, that one. It's <laughs> oh, man, I made me forget him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's called, wait a minute. Here it is. Marked for death. Marked for death. (laughs) If you want to watch the the documentary based on the book, Marked for Death, Friday, uh, 2020, and it'll be streamed and you can watch it afterwards. So listen, thanks a lot, my son. It's always a pleasure. And we're going back. You looking forward to going back? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, stay tuned. Thanks a lot. It's just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. We'll catch you next time. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, just ask the questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone. This is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that right? What we're drinking? It's amazing. It's amazing. Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts.